Our Bible reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 25. So far in Mark's gospel, we've seen Jesus healing and teaching. The religious leaders of the day have been criticising Jesus, even saying he's satanic. Jesus' own family have become embarrassed and tried to persuade him to stop teaching and come home, to which Jesus said to those sitting around him, These people doing the will of God, they are my brothers and sisters and mother, my family. We pick up at this point with Jesus continuing to teach. So Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 25. Again Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it, out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocking places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a hundred times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop 30, 60 or even a 100 times what was sown. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand, 
For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Thank you, Jane. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'd love to meet you. I can see some new faces out there, and I'd love you to come and uh, say hello uh, afterwards. Not right now. Uh, Hold back. But um, I've made a picture for you all this morning, so I've become an artist now that AI uh, allows me to punch in some ideas. So this is a biblical picture uh, that I created, and you've got to work out what is this scene depicting. Uh, What are we looking at there? So there's a crowd there. It's not, it's not heaven. It's a market. Yes, so it's a market. Oh, good one, Thomas. It's a marketplace from the Old Testament. What's it? They're on, no, they're not on their way to see Jesus, but if only they were. Uh, it's from the Old Testament. The men of our church should know what this is. There's a hint because it's from Proverbs chapter 1. Lady Wisdom. On you, Scott. Well done. You came through with the goods there. Let me show you um, the quote. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. Uh, and, and so the idea is God's wisdom is pictured as a lady uh, in the public square calling out, listen to me. And she's calling out, I have, I have something more precious than gold on offer. What I offer is life and hope and joy and safety and prosperity. But the problem is, can you see what's happening? There's there's so much noise in this bustling crowd that so many people just don't listen or they're so busy they just get get on with their lives. And so she's urgently calling out, but most people are completely ignoring and just going about their lives, and they miss up, they miss this beautiful opportunity to have life and joy and hope and peace. Um, here is how it works for me. I've tried to picture it for me uh, personally. Uh, so I have so many voices speaking into my life, right? There's this whole crowd of just our society, you can see them in the background. There's my family. I love my family, and that's a nice voice, right? Not all of our family, you know, but they're a great voice speaking into my life. But then you've got the newspapers and telly and social media and, and even my own thought world. And, you, and can you see what's happened? Like, there are just so many voices speaking into my life. I'm not saying they're all of equal value. My parents would be devastated if, if you said they're as valuable as social media and the opinions of others. Um, but that's what's going on in my head. I wonder what goes on in your head, maybe something similar. But in the midst of all that noise, it's easy to, to feel anxious and paralyzed, yeah? Uh, kind of stuck because there's so many competing opinions. But even worse than that, in the midst of all the noise, we can 
drown out the one voice that we need to hear above all else. And that is the voice of our God, the voice of the one who made us, whose, whose wisdom and promises are life uh, and are, are enriching and enable us to flourish. See, God's word will bring clarity, life, joy, and it will make all the difference in your life. And so I'm going to pray for us that God will renew his word uh, and bring his word afresh in our hearts even today. Will you pray with me? Oh God, our Father, uh, we pray for soft hearts to hear your word today. We pray that you'll give us attention. So just like Jesus says, we'll listen carefully. Fill us with the clarity, peace, comfort, hope, certainty, assurance, forgiveness and joy, all of which come from you, so that we can live confident and fruitful lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're in Mark chapter 4. And uh, if you've been following along, Jesus has become very popular. And everywhere he goes, crowds push in. Uh, and so he's there by the lake and the crowd's pushing in on him. Such is the crowd that he feels like he needs to kind of create some space. So he gets onto a boat, just pushes a little out from shore and uses that as his pulpit. And I just want to say, this is one of the things that reminds me how different I am to Jesus. Uh, because look at all these empty spaces up the front. It's like you're not pushing in to you know, lean into God's word. No, but I do want to say, when you get here, you can serve everyone else. You just push in, right? You'll get front row seats, and that is, that is where you want to be as we hear the word of God. But you'll also enable people who are running a little bit later to not feel conspicuous. They can pull in uh, the back seats. Got it? Do it, all right? Next, next week. Uh, all right. <clears throat> so, so Jesus is out on his little boat pulpit uh, and he addresses the crowd and he tells them a very simple story. Um, a farmer goes out to sow some seed, very different to the way it's done now, but just casting the seed out. A little bit indiscriminately, he throws the seed. Some of it falls on a path, which is hard trodden, and uh, it kind of bounces on the path and it gets eaten by the birds. So there it is. Easy, right? Because it hasn't sunk in. So the bird sees it, snaffle, what is it? snaffles it up. Um, some falls on rocky ground, but shallow ground. It has, you know, it grows up, but it has no roots. So when the sun comes, it beats down and that plant withers. Some in the weedy soil, uh, amongst thorns and thistles and so on. So it grows up, but so much competition that it gets choked of its life. But some, exactly what the farmer wanted. Some is sown in good soil and it grows, deep roots, and it grows up and up and up. And Jesus says it produces a harvest. And that's what the farmer wants. The farmer wants to see some fruit from his labor. And it produces a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Well worthwhile in a return on investment. Now, simple story. And then Jesus challenges the crowd. He says... Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. There's a real urgency in what Jesus says, and yet his story is so 
Simple. Now, if that was all you heard, what would you do with it? Right? If you were a member of the crowd that day, and I know you've all heard this story many times, but if you were hearing it for the first time, what, how would you respond? You know, you've heard about this man, Jesus, so much authority, so clever, so powerful, so able to heal. And you come along and you hear this story. How would you feel? Would you feel a little unimpressed? Because right? I understood the story, but maybe there's something deeper. I just didn't kind of get what all the hype is about. Um, and, well, frankly, I couldn't be bothered, you know, pushing harder. Or would you have felt curious, you know, listening to Jesus and going, I know there's something deeper going on here. I think there's a kind of a spiritual meaning that I've got to kind of wrestle with to understand. I want to know what Jesus meant uh, by that story. Uh, because he said it with such urgency. It's like our lives depended on understanding that story. Now, the 12 disciples, they are amongst the curious. Now, they're lucky because they have a proximity to Jesus. Right? The rest of the crowd don't get to go home and have a meal with Jesus at the end of the day. But they pull Jesus aside and say, what, what does that parable mean? Why did you tell that story with such urgency? Verse 11. So I'd love you to have your Bibles open. Mark chapter 4. We're in verse 11. <coughs> and Jesus told them, <coughs> excuse me, the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. See, Jesus expected <clears throat> that many people, perhaps even the majority of people, would hear his stories and not really get them. And they would walk away uninformed. But otherwise, others, like the disciples, would be curious and press in and seek to find out more. And Jesus says there's a lot hanging on this story, right? Look at verse 13. He said to them, don't you understand this parable? If you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? There's something about this story that unlocks the secrets of the kingdom, Understand this parable and you'll make much more sense of the whole of Jesus' ministry. So you're ready to hear the meaning of this story. You should be sitting on the edges of your seat. You should be pulling up into this front few rows here, pressing in. I should be on a boat by now. Um, so verse 14, <clears throat> the farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed sown on the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown. The path represents those who are hardened to God's word. As soon as the word is spoken, it kind of bounces off the ground. And then Satan swoops in and takes the word away so that it has no chance of kind of penetrating and growing and producing. Now, in Jesus' day... The religious leaders were exactly like that, weren't they? They were like hardened soil. Right? They had 
built a whole religion around God's word, but it was almost like they claimed to love God's word, and yet their hearts were hard to God. They didn't know God at all in their hearts. They were proud, they were arrogant, they were exclusive. They didn't have God's compassion and love for the outsider. They put up walls to exclude people. And so Jesus comes along and does things like healing on the Sabbath. And he comes along and eats with sinners and tax collectors. And they just hated him for it. Because they saw him as a threat to their whole man-made religion that they had established around the word of God. Already they are conspiring to kill Jesus. So as they listen, they're pressing in to listen. They're not in the front row, but they're pressing in. They want to hear what Jesus says, but to trap him in his words. Uh, they, they, all they want to do is find a grounds to accuse and condemn Jesus. Find fault. But don't be naive about it. Jesus says part of their response is Satan preying on their hard hearts. And so the word bounces off, but Satan swoops in and means that there's no chance whatsoever uh, that the word will take root in their lives. Now, you see these things today as well. So this is true back in Jesus' time, but I see it today. Um, So let me tell you this. There are so many good questions uh, about Jesus and the Bible and Christianity. Right? Here, here's a few. How can the Bible be reliable when it's 2,000 years old? That's a good question worth asking. If God is a good God, why does he allow suffering? That is such a perplexing question. Uh, there's no easy answers to that. Doesn't science disprove Christianity? Dead men don't rise. So how can I be confident or how can I put my faith in Jesus rising from the dead? Why why are there so many different religions and why would Christianity be the one true religion? Now, I just want to say these are all great questions and well worth asking. And we encourage you to sift through the evidence because we are convinced that there are answers to those questions. Um, So if you want to wrestle with those questions, come and let's talk more. But there are some people who ask those questions not out of a sincere desire to understand the answer, but almost as a distraction, almost like a smokescreen. They're not really interested in getting answers. And even if you answer that question, there's another one and another one and another one. And after a while, you realise they're just looking for excuses not to believe. Um, And I wonder whether they've made a decision without even bothering to look at the evidence. And so like the seed that falls on the path, it doesn't take root and Satan swoops down and takes the word away. Now I want to plead with you this morning, don't be that soil. Uh, Don't come to Jesus with a prejudice, where you feel like you already know the answer before you've listened to what he has to say. Take the time to wrestle seriously 
uh, with the words of Jesus. And I want to tell you a great place to start, the Life Series. Right? The Life Series starts in two days' time. Uh, over that, I'm going to have some cards. Someone's going to bring me some postcards for the Life Series. I can see my wife in the foyer. She's going to go and get them for me. Uh, and, and so I'll have them at the end. And if you want to grab one off me, I'd love you to come and join us for this five-week series. Uh, starting. There she is. And you can get them off Ruth as well. Um, all right. So please don't come to Jesus already assuming you know you've made a verdict about him. Uh, I just want you to come to Jesus with open hearts and open ears. Now, secondly... There's the rocky soil, verse 16. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. They quickly fall away. Now the rocky soil is those who lack deep roots. And I want to say to you, following Jesus won't always be easy. If anyone tells you that following Jesus is, is just a smooth sailing, they don't know anything about following Jesus. They are trying to con you. Right? It, is, it is tough following Jesus. Just like everyone else, we have sickness, <clears throat> discouragement. We live in these frail, weak bodies. We feel the injustice of life, just like everyone else. And on top of that, we feel the persecution that comes from following Jesus. Um, and all those things come along and they test our faith. And if we don't put down deep roots in God's promises, then we will not withstand the heat, uh, the hot sun of the persecutions and troubles that will come our way. This is why one of our church purposes is deep in the word. It's kind of like the foundational purpose of our church. Uh, we want to take people deep in the word. Tim oversees this area of church life with the help of a whole bunch of people. But you see, we want stacks of people. John O talked about 330,000 330 people on the Central Coast. And we want as many of them as possible to hear the good news of Jesus and come in. Uh, in, into fellowship and into life. But it's not just about numbers. We want deep disciples. Um, and I just want to ask you, how will you enable God's word to take deep root in your lives in the weeks ahead, in this year ahead? But just start with the weeks ahead and then try to make it a pattern into the whole year ahead. So will you rebuild good Weekly habits, coming along to church. Will you join a growth group? You know, sit around with some brothers and sisters, wrestle with God's word, pray for one another. Will you find someone to read the Bible with, right? Especially if you can't get along to a growth group, is there someone else that you can kind of just check in with? I used to just talk to a couple of guys and we'd, we'd talk about the scripture and pray as they were commuting home from work. Uh, maybe that's, you know, if, 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 it's, if it's those sort of hours that you're doing, find someone else who's doing those sort of hours and do it together. Uh, will you join one of our courses, right? Kim, Tim keeps running courses like at the moment, the Introduction to the Bible, which is one of the most eye-opening courses I've, I've ever done, 
right? It's, it's an overview of the whole Bible story in which you can put all the pieces of the puzzle in place. Um, so as you look at the year ahead, how would you clear space to make sure that God's word takes deep root in your life? And what about your kids? How will you help them grow in resilient faith? See, we, we want our kids and youth ministry to be fun, right? I want adults' ministry to be fun, right? I am still a kid you know, in some ways, right? And so I love having fun. But we know that as kids head into late high school, or maybe, maybe it's coming earlier, early high school, as they're gaining their independence, that is when so many kids feel the pressures, feel the heat to give up their faith and to compromise. And so we actively teach our kids, as young as they're able, to go deep in the word um, because we know the heat of the sun is coming and we want them to put in deep roots. Um, So I just want to appeal to you parents, help your kids come along regularly and don't let you ever be the reason that they're not here. Right, so I, re- I really want a strong challenge there. You'll, you've got lots going on in your life. Your biggest responsibility is passing the baton of the faith onto your kids. And gee, it's hard doing it as a family, isn't it? Opening the Bible night after night. If you can do it, you're doing great. You're doing better than most of us. Uh, but if they come along here, they'll hear the word, go deep in it, in a context where they'll, they'll listen and have fun and have others that can teach them. Um, but you want your kids to have robust faith through those teenage years, deliberately put things in place that are going to put deep roots for them right now. Um, and and, and if, even if you've got teenage kids, it's not too late, right? Just encourage them to have deep roots just like you want to have deep roots. Thirdly, Jesus talks about the thorny soil. Verse 18, Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. So you've got this little spindly plant that's grown up, but that's not what what the farmers are after. He doesn't want something that grows four feet tall, but no fruit. He wants fruitfulness. And so this little thin, dangly bit of plant grows. Uh, And the thorny soil is those who are distracted by the worries and desires of life. And in my experience, this is the most common story of all, and it breaks my heart. I've had countless conversations where people say, I used to go to church... I used to go to kids' church, but I just drifted away. Life got too busy. Now, most people don't, my experience is this, most people don't intentionally turn their backs on Jesus. It's just that other things grow up and choke the word. They get too busy, career gets bigger and bigger and, 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 you know, larger in life. Boyfriend or girlfriend come along and... uh, takes them off in another direction, concerned about the house, paying off the mortgage, spending the weekends doing the renos. And when you finally get a minute to stop, you just veg in front of the TV, 
feeling spent. We fill up our lives with so much that we forget about Jesus and don't give him a second thought. And he, he gets squeezed out amidst the, the weeds and the chaos. It's not a deliberate thing, right? It's, it's very gradual and subtle. Right? I've heard that with a frog in a saucepan of water. You've heard this, haven't you? Uh, if you've got the boiling water and you try to put a frog in, the frog will desperately try not to go into the water. Right? But you put a saucepan, nice lukewarm water, put the frog in, swimming around, turn on the gas, swimming around, swimming around. And uh, apparently, right, don't try it at home. Um, but what my experience is, it's not a deliberate rejection of Jesus, just a bit by bit, gradual. So I want to say, are there thorns in your life? Because they grow up so gradually that you hardly notice as they threaten to choke out the word out of your life. And I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, today, if you're hearing God's word, today is the day to take action. Don't, don't think one day I'll start clearing the garden. Uh, and get rid of the weeds. Today is the day. Um, what has to change to make the word more fruitful in your life? I'll tell you what's happened for me this week. I had the privilege on men's camp of sitting in and hearing the word of God. Uh, our brother Tim brought us the word of God over four sessions. But I didn't feel like it was Tim talking. It was God was talking to us. Lady Wisdom was crying out, calling on us. And, and I just found it so, I found it utterly refreshing and encouraging. And as I came back into the week, see, because I've been quite tired in the last month or so, and, I, and, and what I've done is I've just got into the pattern of just collapsing at the end of the day and turning on the telly and getting into one of those crime dramas and, you know, the series that then... In 10 seconds, this will start the next episode. And, and, all, all of a sudden, and you can just waste so much time. But it, it's, it's interesting, in my head, I've got this idea, this delusion that it, it will refresh me. And then I, I, you know, I heard the word of God on the weekend. I've been wrestling with this passage. And I thought, I've got to reframe the whole way I think about that. Because uh, I find the word of God so refreshing when I allow it the time in my life. Uh, but we've got these other defaults where we go, I'm just going to turn on the TV because that will refresh me. And then you realise, I've been, I've been in the mind of some psychopath uh, for the last few hours and I don't feel refreshed. I don't feel like... <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, and so, and so yesterday, Ruth's going, what's, what's wrong with you? you know, cause, but, but I actually, I, I've, I've flipped during this week. And I, and I, I can't say that I'm going to be, you know, you know, you can ask me in three months, have you watched TV? No, it's not like I'm not going to watch TV, but I just need to flip that, think of, that sense of what refreshes me. And I want to assure you, the Word of God is so refreshing. We, Lady Wisdom is right. She brings life. And so does Jesus. All right. Finally, this is where we're all working towards, the good soil. Verse 20. Others like seed sown on good soil hear the word. They accept it. 
produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. That is exactly what the farmer's after. So what are the characteristics of the good soil? Fruitfulness. Those who produce fruit. 100 times what was sown. Now, this is the person who has a soft heart, soft soil. They received God's word and by his spirit, it's not something they're doing on their own, but by God's spirit, they retain it. Uh, And he gives us that resilient faith to persevere. Uh, And the result is beautiful, this beautiful, fruitful life. That is what you want to be. Now, you think about some, like if you've been a Christian for a while, you'll know some older Christians. And you go, there's something beautiful about their lives. Right? Now, use that as an inspiration to you to go, yeah, I want to be like that. Bearing fruit into old age. You know, showing a beauty. Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit, and, and it could well be that sort of idea that Jesus has in mind. I, I think he's got the idea of just the fruit of good works. And you see it a lot through the Bible. We're not saved by doing good works, but Jesus saves us in order to do good works. Uh, and, and Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. You know, and you see someone persevering in those things. And they are just such a beautiful person to have in your life. And you go, I want to be like that. So Jesus wants us to live lives of loving service, just as he came not to be served but to serve, so he calls on us to serve in love, patiently, with self-control, peace, joy, goodness. Uh, So there's one kind of fruit, but there's another kind of fruit that the New Testament talks about, and that is the fruitfulness of the word multiplying. So you think about the image, right? The so the The farmer sows seed. What's the seed? The seed is the word of God. And amongst some soil, it grows up and produces a hundredfold increase. And then what you do is you harvest that and then you sow it again. And it increases and multiplies. Um, And this is the dynamic you see in the New Testament. Whenever the gospel of Jesus is preached throughout the world... Even though it might be met with severe persecution, it grows and flourishes. Uh, It's so surprising, but it's because the power of God is at work behind the scenes. And so I just want to ask you all, pray to God that he will bear fruit in your life this year. That he will use you to make a difference, to be one of those beautiful, fruitful people. So I started off talking about the different voices that are speaking into our lives. That scares me. I wouldn't want that picture up there too long. I find that a little bit alarming. So many opinions, expectations, voices. Today, Jesus is calling on us to turn down the volume. You watch this. This is clever. You watch this. Whoa. And see what happened? You know, it's just a, it's just like a relief. I turn down the volume. I, I turned my family down a little bit too far because uh, I love them and, and they're well worth listening to. Um, but turn up the volume on God's word 
and his promises. Um, and Jesus is urgent about this. Um, can you hear Jesus' urgency? I, I did a little search. Ten times in this passage, he says, hear. But he, he says it on 11th, I just noticed as I was listening, because he says, listen. So it's exactly the same word. Anyway, so it, this, this passage is all about hearing. Verse 10, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Show us on the screen there. So I think hear times 10 times 11. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then he closes out this section in verse 23. I think I've got it on the screen. Sorry, guys. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully how you hear or what you hear. Um, And I just want to say to you, brothers and sisters, when you come to church or when you open your Bible or sit there in growth group, there's, there's, it is an incredibly significant activity. It just feels so mundane at one level, but you are listening to the Word of God that is powerful to be at work in your life, right? dealing with sin, bringing repentance, bringing humility, bringing fruitfulness. And so I want to just encourage you, never come to the word of God with a hard heart. Just pray to God that he'll give you that humility, that soft soil that will receive the word well. Um, There's an urgency to Jesus' words. Now, I want to just share with you that God's promises, somehow or other over the years, I have memorised some of God's promises, and I love it uh, because they are there in my thought world amongst the fuzzy cloud, right? They are there and I can draw from God's promises, right? God says, Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's not a hard one to memorize, is it? Hebrews 13, I don't remember which verse, maybe five or something, but never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I go, I'm going to hold on to that. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. And I just go, all right, in the hard times, in the anxious times, in times of sickness, when I'm near death, I'm going to draw deeply on that assurance from Psalm 23. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe your heart in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If ever I'm doubting, I go, have I done enough to be saved? I go, no, no, believe in your heart. Uh, believe, believe in your heart. What is it? Believe, <laughs> confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Jesus is Lord. Yeah, it's about him. It's not about me and how I feel. All things work together for the good of those who love God. Right? Sometimes life is going to look like a mess But God is knitting all that together for my good. And I want to hold on to that assurance. Nothing, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, it's a great promise to hold on to, isn't it? You know, in the the night when the fears and uncertainties come. Um, so I just want to say to you, brothers and sisters, like you don't knit, you know, crochet them and put them on the wall, or, or no, you don't crochet, cross stitch, right? However you, but I just want to encourage you: have God's word 
accessible to you. I want to encourage us. When I, when I was, had quite bad anxiety a number of years ago, I created a song list called Dave's Songs for the Heart and Soul. Right? And it's beautiful. Uh, and I realise that we, we, I love the songs we sing here at church. Um, and, and so some of them were in my song list, but some of them were just such simple songs, like the, the Lord's Prayer to, to music. Um, and, but, and, and um, you have to be discerning because not every Christian song is meditating on the scriptures, but some of them meditate beautifully on the promises of God and the word of God. And it's just another avenue to have God's word feeding into our lives. And thank you, musicians, for the way you serve us in this. Right, so many other ways to lean into God's word, right? I've talked about life, growth groups, daily Bible, uh, daily Bible readings. So when you wake, just open God's word. Try to get into these good patterns. And I'm not saying this to guilt you. I'm saying this to give you life so that you will be fruitful, uh, so that God will take away those anxieties and you won't be overwhelmed by the troubles and the desires I want you to live fruitful lives, and God wants you to live fruitful lives. How about I lead us in prayer? God, our Father, we want to thank you for your word, your precious word. We know you and your son, Jesus, because you have spoken. Father, for everyone in this room who is still investigating the claims of Jesus, please give them a curiosity, a willingness and openness to find out more. And for each one of us, we ask that through your spirit, you'll soften our hearts to keep listening to your word and to take it to heart. Please give us deep, resilient faith. And we pray this not only for us, but our children and the next generation. Bring us through tough times, holding on to your precious promises. And Father, forgive us for ignoring you and your word. Please help us to deal with those things in our lives that threaten to choke your word out. Through your word, make us fruitful. Make us live beautiful lives of love, transformed to be servants like Jesus. And please help us to spread this good news and bring life to many in this region. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.